Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab. My name is Goose and this, in fact, is the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. And today, I had the, the absolute pleasure of chatting with uh, a really amazing entrepreneur. Her name is Jen Duplessis or Jen Duplessis, depending on you know where, where, where you're from and how you want to say it. We talked about so much groundbreaking stuff. So Jen is not only a very successful real estate investor, she's also an extremely successful entrepreneur. So she's from the, she's from the US. She's in her career written over a billion dollars of loans as a mortgage broker. Um, she's got a podcast called Success to Significance, which explores the idea of how to live a more fulfilled life. And all kind. We spoke about so much stuff. We talked about the five steps to um, cracking the high-performance code. We spoke about, um, we've spoke about guns. That was pretty fun. A um, little controversial there, but, um, but that's okay. That was all good. And we spoke about so much stuff that, that really around all centered around this idea around how to work less, make more, and get more out of life, which is at the fundamental core of everything that you know this show is about. Everything that everything that we do, everything our our whole value system is about. How do we how do we make life better? You know how do we how do we optimize for better, and how do we optimize for calm? And this episode really hits on so much of that. You know, whether you're a business owner or a non-business owner, and if you're a mortgage broker, a non-mortgage broker, uh, if you have any any desire to optimize your life in a way that is going to deliver you to a place of deeper fulfillment, then I know you're going to get just absolutely bucket loads out of this episode. So if you do, please let us know. We'd love to get the feedback and uh, make sure you like this. If, you, if you're watching this on, on, on YouTube or anything, make sure you hit subscribe and hit the like button and the notification and the ding ding and all of the good stuff. Anywhere you are, just hit subscribe. You're on Spotify. If you're on Apple, just hit subscribe because what that does is that helps us to get this message out to other people like you who get value from this show too. And of course, if you want more, if you want a bit more juice and if you want some free resources or the ability to even work with us on a one-to-one basis to help you achieve your property goals, then head to theinvestorlab.com.au. Everything you need is right there. And of course, if there's anything I can do, please just reach out to me directly. You can get me on hello at dash.com.au. And let's get stuck into it. I'll see you guys on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Today I am joined by Jen Duplessis. And Jen, just by way of introduction, I, I think you're the only mortgage broker that I have ever known that has spoken on stage with Tony Robbins. So for 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 guys listen for guys listening, for the audience listening, you know, um, Jen is based in the States, but she runs an amazing podcast. Um, oh, what's what's it? Success to significance. You were in the top 1% of mortgage brokers for over 40% of your career in the US. Um, you, you've got, you do a huge amount of speaking. You're a best-selling author. There's so much ground that we can cover here. Jen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited to have you on my show. Next week, we're going to be recording. So yeah, excited to have you on my show as well. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Okay. So... Now, obviously, you're in the states. I'm in Australia. We've sort of we're operating in a or have have you. You're not actually an active mortgage broker anymore, are you? No, I'm not. No, no. Okay. I transitioned a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, you know, we're we're similar industry, different markets. So there's kind of like going to be some some nuances there. But yeah, I want to start with, you know, what what drove you in your mortgage broking career? What drove you to become in the top one percent for like over fifteen years? That's a pretty high benchmark. Yeah. Well, well, let me quantify that, first of all, because at the time, you know, I mean, right now in the United States, we have a little over 500,000 um, residential mortgage loan officers. Um, at the time that I was um, in, well, in the 1%, I mean, there were just a, a bunch of us. So to be in the 1% today would mean that I'm in the top 50,000, which doesn't sound very good, but I was actually in the top 200 loan officers in the country. Wow. Um, and the years that I was, we had over 700,000 loan officers. And um, so it's a big feat. And it's a big feat because I'm a woman yeah. as well. Yeah, and, yeah, a, yeah. you know, what What started off as a very male-dominated industry, you know, years ago, still has a good old boy world, you know. But, uh, you know, for me, I mean, all of this is perpetuated from my childhood. And I won't waste our time talking about that part of it. But, you know, it's all perpetuated from my childhood where I spent years and years. I was known as Jenny who ain't got a penny. And so you can't call me Jenny because of that. I'm told I wasn't going to be worth anything that I was going to be worthless. I was going to be an alcoholic like my dad and poor and all of that. And, and that had a really profound effect on me. And so I spent most of my life proving to everyone uh, that I wasn't going to be Jenny who ain't got a penny. And so that's really what was the driver for uh, you know, perfection and showing everybody that I could do this, that I would never be like that. And, um, but, you know, I'm, I've always been very competitive in every area of my life. You know, I, I play instruments. I'm a competitive ballroom, Latin and swing dancer. I shoot guns, which I know you guys don't have there, but I, you know, we I, have, I, I, we, we have, we have guns. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, I was on a cruise with some guys from Australia and they're like, oh, you guys have guns. You American. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. We don't just like we don't just go to the supermarket carrying guns and stuff. No, like, we like, don't. <laughs> well, we do. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But because uh, I okay. conceal carry, yeah. But no, I mean I'm a target person, you know, and I love that. It's that's better for me than golf because golf is boring to me, right? So I'd rather shoot. If I'm going to put something into some in the hole, I'm going to put it over there. Okay, I, 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 hang on a second. I don't want to get stuck on the gun thing, right? Because it's, it's a little controversial. But yes, it is. But did you just say you conceal carry? I conceal carry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you walk around carrying a gun? Yeah, but nobody knows because, you know, in the States we have, you can open carry and, mm. and you can see it or you can conceal carry. I conceal carry because if I were to open carry, a guy would see me and go, oh, look at her. She thinks she's tough. Hey, chicky, why don't you, you know. So why, so, do you, why, do you, why do you conceal carry? Like I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Oh, because, why, why yeah, do you feel because like that's something you I'm always, uh, because, you know, before COVID, yeah. I was always going to networking events, you know, and some of them were late at night and I was walking through parking lots and garages and things like that. And you got to be careful. Just have to be careful, you know, and okay, it's not so, because someone has yeah. a gun, but someone could do something else to me. And so that's a protection factor. But, you know, my dad was an NRA, National Rifle Association, uh, hunting guide for big game. And that's where it came from. So I always, you know, had guns around, but it, most of it's target practice for me. I don't shoot animals. I don't shoot people. I target practice. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, just a really competitive person. And of course that came into the mortgage space as well. And especially 
you know, as a woman, and I'm not a me too person or anything like that, but I just, you know, I got into that that arena with all these men and I thought, well, I can show them too. I'm going to prove to everybody and I'm going to prove to them. So, um, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, my degrees in architecture and construction engineering. So I have a very technical mind and mm-hmm. mortgages were just the thing. My uncles owned and still own lots of property. And so I was reared in that, in accumulation of investment properties and whatnot. And and uh, so it just was natural progression for me. And then I wanted to be number one, you know, as best as, best as I could. So um, that's what I did is I don't do anything dabbling. Mm. No, no, that's <laughs> yeah. good. That's that's good. Okay. So cool. That's, that's given us a good bit of a backstory and why you got into it. So how I want to ask you something in that pursuit of getting to the top, the pursuit yes. of being the best, how did that make you feel? Did that like, did that actually satisfy that need? Because it sounds like to me, a big part <laughs> of that was, uh, I, to a certain degree running away from the past, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah. Was that fulfilling? Did you, were you actually fulfilled no. when you were at that goal? Ooh. No, no, no. Well, well on, we on the way there, I was not fulfilled when I got there, I was fulfilled. Um, so, you know, the backstory of that is when you spend your life proving, uh, you know, everything in my life was about my practice and everything else was secondary. My family, my kids, anything was secondary. And, you know, here I was a cat on a marble floor. And it's funny you say fulfill because I always tell people this is that, we, t- we tend, all of us do as entrepreneurs um, and, you know, and investors, the same thing is, you know, some guru says, hey, you can be an investor with just four, one hour a night, focus on it. And we do the wrong activities. And so it's like eating soup with a fork. All these activities that we're eating, you know, we're constantly consuming and we're, we're busy and we come home and we say, oh, we're so tired. I think I did some stuff, but I don't know. But you're not full. You're not fulfilled because you're eating soup with a fork. Yeah. And so there, I, yeah, I was going to say, so where, what happened was, you know, I was doing that. I was a cat on a marble floor in oil, scrambling around all the time, really working unbelievable hours, proving, proving, proving. And I was doing good. I was, I was in the 1%, but I wasn't happy. Right. And one night we were at, I was supposedly at dinner with my family, but the phone rang and what do you think I did? I took the client because the client, oh, they need me. They're more important. And while I was walking that that concrete tightrope, you know, the, or that balance beam that you walk outside of a restaurant, you know, back and forth on the curb and you're talking and you're kind of waving to people as they're walking in and I'm on the phone with the client. I happened to look over into the, the window of the restaurant and there my family was enjoying themselves, laughing, having time together, creating memories, but I wasn't in them. And that and I'd seen that before and I would see it again. But that was the apex of this has to stop. It has okay. to stop. And what ended up happening is through the course of the next, you know, five years or so, I developed, you know, five, five steps to lifestyle business mastery. I developed ways that how do I crack the code, you know, the code on this. And that code is the, is the combination. And what ended up happening was I ended up working four days a week and went to $100 million a year instead of $50 million. That's that's fascinating. So you managed to work it. You managed to crack the code on how to work less and make more. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and be happy. I was happy. Now I was done proving. I'm going to start living. Okay. But so there's got to be a way to do it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's dig into that. 
What, like yeah. let, let, let's dig into that because I think that this is a common this is a common problem and there's mm-hmm. there's so many ways that we could go with this and so much I want to pick apart because I think your story is really really genuinely fascinating. You know, there's, you. there's there's aspects of it of you know how do you know what is the right thing to do? Like how do you actually work out? Because you're right, we all we all are so busy all of the time and and to be honest, when when we're programmed that if we're not busy, if we're not busy if we're not like you know the standard response hey how are you oh busy i'm busy, busy. i'm busy <laughs> how are you oh busy we're all busy i'm swamped busy doing what <laughs> and why is that why is that the catch cry of success because like I, yeah. I i i oh i'm 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 very guilty of it like i'm a very busy yeah. person and I'm, que- I'm questioning myself and i'm going why am i busy like, what is it that is making me busy and how, you know, how to be more effective in that decision making? So I'm curious how you managed to transition from there's obviously some mechanical stuff like actions yeah. and also some mindset stuff. So how Absolutely. did you, how did you transition from, you know, you'd, you'd built a massive career over a very long period of time, multiple decades, as I understand it, of, yeah. of this program, program, programming of let's be busier, let's be busier, let's do more, let's get more, let's have more, let's be more, let's apply. It's all, and it's all tied up in this, in this pursuit of more and, 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 it's, and it's actually a disease of more because we always it think is. that the, it's the more awful. that oh, – it's, it's gross. We always yeah. think that the more that we have of, of whatever, the more – if I just had more of this, I'd be happier. If I just had more of this, I'd be happier. So how did you transition from multiple decades <laughs> yeah. of that kind of programming to, to not only – yeah, yeah, exactly. To optim- how did you how did you optimize for calm? Yeah, but also yeah. how did you do that and make more money at the same time? That's yeah. That sounds well. Like first crazy. of all, it wasn't easy, so it's hard to answer in a minute, right? So it's going to be. <laughs> hard to answer. It definitely wasn't easy. Um, you know, and I call it the glorification of busyness, you know, that everyone's like, well, I'm more busy than you are. And I'm more busy because I have to run from pillar to post. And now I look at people like that. And I think you poor soul, how can I save you? Mm. <laughs> right. And that's really become my mission, you know, is, is making an impact, you know, and, and being significant in people's lives to be able to condense that knowledge that I had and condense it into a short period of time mm-hmm. before they hit the apex, before they hit that pinnacle point point of, oh my gosh, I lost my family. I lost my friends. I lost my, my health. I lost my wealth, you know, trying to accomplish. And, you know, all these sayings that we have in our, in our world, you know, in our lives of less is more, they have meaning. We just have to dig into them. So for me, it was, um, for me, part, part of what was already happening is this restaurant situation came up too, was, when I was networking, it was a lot of chit chat by people. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. And I just wanted to strangle people and say, you know, and, and when I wrote my book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights, uh, I really wanted to call it, would you just shut up and go do it? Just shut <laughs> that up. That also would have been said, a good oh, title, shut up and do it. It would have been good, but it's, they say, oh, that's that's not your personality. And I go, okay. So, you know, then, we, then it was that? If, they, if that's authentically you, who are you listening to? Get, get Right. I know. Well, because I really would never tell someone, can you just shut up and do it? It was just more like, hmm. <laughs> <sighs> right. I would never really say that. So, so I, I kind of changed it into stop talking, take action, get results. Right. Yep. And that's really what it's about. But but when it gets down to, and so that's that busyness, but when it gets down to how, how I crack the code, and it took time. Listen, I had trial and error and try and error. I've been in everybody's shoes, you know, and I did well and I did badly. And But really what it came down to was my core values. 
And I think that we have lost sight of that. It's all about chasing money because money isn't success. For some people it is, but I think you have your eye on the wrong target. Money is the result of what is more passionate for you to accomplish. So when I went back to my core values, one of my core values is family. And I thought, well, if that's a core value, then why am I working till 11 o'clock at night? Why am I taking the phone call? Because my client needs me instead of my daughter who might need me for something, right? Or my son. And um, so when I went back to the core values and really went deep with those and set up boundaries around them, um, I was able to go from a position of being on demand to a position of being in demand. And if you think of a doctor, the MD, right, the, the just generic doctor that you go to, that's on demand. I, you know, I'm sick. I need to come to you. I'm sick. I need to come to you. My kid has this. I got to come to you. Can you fit me in? Right. Mm. The in demand is the specialist, the expert. You have to wait sometimes three, six months to have an appointment with them. And who makes more money? Okay. So, so can I just <laughs> dig into that for a little moment? Yeah. Yeah. Does that does that mean that you were like in a in a, in an industry where it's basically retail? You could have a first time investor wanting to go get a mortgage. You could get have. And did you yeah. did you niche down your business? Did you say I am not here for everyone? I am here for some people. Or how oh, did absolutely. you do that? Or did you just say? Wow, I'm just less available there, and and it's, it's survival <laughs> yeah. of the fittest. Well, part, yeah, it's yes, yes, and yes, all of that. Okay, good, good. Yeah, uh, you know, niche to grow rich. This is another, or there's riches and niches. You know, this is another saying that we hear all the time, but we don't, we don't, uh, you know, implement we, right. We, we, we call them so, we call them niches here, but that saying isn't the the, 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 the riches are in the niches doesn't quite work. The riches so. in, the, in the niches. <laughs> yeah. So so the <laughs> so yeah, I did. I niched down and I said, you know. No, I I can't be every and I feel this way. If you're selling everything to everybody, then you're selling nothing to nobody. Mm. Right. So so yeah, I niched down. I niched down into what aligned with my core values. And what was that? Aligned with my core values. So for me, it was doing veteran loans because um, my husband's father was a veteran and we I was raised in a town that had all kinds of military uh, establishments. So that was important. I niched down into um, jumbo loans, right? Doing high higher end loans because I didn't want to quote a rate. I wanted to uh, dig into the financial DNA of a client and the complexities that were mm. involved with that so that it would feed my my need in this business after that many years. You know, I just, that was boring. I wasn't getting out of it what I wanted. So I wanted, I wanted a little more. And, um, and that was aligning with one of my core values. And then, um, the last one was investors because I'm an investor and because I needed to find outlets beyond just the normal traditional financing. Because even today I do origination uh, for investors only, and it doesn't require that I'm licensed the way I used to have to be and everything. Cause it's just a different world. And again, there's a complexity, a complexity of it and the wealth creation that goes behind it. So I, I went into that niche and I realized that um, investors don't work on weekends. 
that uh, veterans are working on weekends, so they're not going to be calling me. And high-end clients don't work on weekends either. And and what was happening before that was that I was getting every Tom, Dick, and Harry and every real estate agent that you know said, "Oh, I, I don't have control of my business, so I'm going to flop that onto you. And can you do me, you know, do a pre-approval letter on the weekend and do a." And so I had to say no to those people and really focus in on people that complement and not complicate my core values so that mm. I can have this lifestyle. And um, tr- and so became attraction rather than chasing. I became the in-demand expert rather than the paper bag, right, of everybody can do it. So that- and that changed my life. I did fewer loans, but more volume. So that, that inflection point where you said, I'm not for everyone, I'm for some people, which um, I've just been reading Seth Godin's book called This Is Marketing and it's, I'm not sure if you've read yeah. it, but it's, it's so good. Um, uh, this is not for you, but this is for some people, this idea. Yes. What, was that transition hard? Like what was the, that, was, there a, was there a window where you started saying no to some people, but there was a gap between when that, st- when that shift happened? Because I think, a lot of, I think what stops a lot of business owners niching down, and I may very well be, you know, talking. No, I know exactly what you're going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you niche down and then, you've, then you go broke. Whilst you're waiting, yeah, your fear. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, scary. It's, it's scary because, like, because if you know where you want to go and who you can serve and how to live a better life, and if you're focused on, you know, my, my, my I have a belief. I have a belief that you know everyone says you know life wasn't meant to be easy and all of this. I believe that life was meant to be easy and business was meant to be fun. It's just our job to work out how to make it so. That's that's a belief yeah. of mine. But yeah. niching down can be quite challenging because you're like, oh my God, what if we, ah, what if it all fails? What if I don't find enough of my, you know, dream clients, all of that kind of stuff? Right. What happens? Well, what the happens bottom, yeah. Well, the bottom line is you don't have enough business right now. And that's why you're considering niching. <laughs> so if you don't have enough business, you're saying, hey, maybe to get more business, I should niche. It's because, again, you're selling everything to, to no one. And so no one's hearing you. So, you know, Starbucks, let's look at Starbucks, for example, right? So you have Starbucks in Australia. Yep. 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 So, not, not many yeah. of them, I would say. They didn't have, they haven't right, taken off here. Right. We're, we're, so, we're coffee mean, but, snobs, but yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I know. So, so if Starbucks, you know, everybody goes to Starbucks because of coffee, Mm. Right, some variety of coffee. But when you walk into Starbucks, they have all kinds of other things they're selling. And you pick that up and you get it, etc. But they don't go out and, and market to come there for their yogurt. They don't go in the market and come, hey, come there, we got some bags of chips. Yeah, sitting otherwise in, that'd you know, be like a 7-Eleven, right? That's right. But the same thing with 7-Eleven. If you need gas in your car and you're in the mood for a Slurpee, you go to 7-Eleven and you don't care how much the gas is. It's, it's ancillary to it. So when you attract people, and I like saying it like this too, I love peanut butter cookies, right? So I'm going to run around and say, I love peanut butter cookies. I'm going to show you how to make peanut butter cookies. We're going to share all the recipes for peanut butter cookies. We're going to have peanut butter cookie parties. We're going to do peanut butter cookies. There is a lion's share of people who are like, nah, I'm a raisin person. And that's okay. But because you're yelling it from the rooftop that you're all about peanut butter cookies, peanut butter cookie people are going, hey, wait, am I hearing someone likes peanut butter cookies? And all of a sudden they come in droves. And then when you have them, you go, I hate to tell you, 
but I think you might be allergic to peanut butter cookies. I know you want them, but I actually have raisin cookies and maybe that's what we should be doing for you. So it's not that you're cutting everybody off. It's how you market. It's what you're delivering out to attract your people. And of course, you're going to give them everything. Starbucks would never say, sorry, you can't buy any st- other stuff in here besides besides coffee. So, so therein lies the problem, you know, with people is that we're all out like a bunch of vanilla ice cream Mm. and we need to be all these flavors of vanilla ice cream because when you're vanilla, nobody knows what you're going to get. What makes you special? There's nothing that makes you special. Okay. And now you're in a competitive market. Okay. So, so you decided that you were going to niche down because you didn't want, you wanted a better life and all of that kind of stuff. Did you, did you, did you niche down because you said, I just want more time. I just want a better life. Or did you, or was it like, maybe I'll also have a bigger business or did the bigger business? Cause you 50, you said 50 million <laughs> to a hundred million. That's double, right? You yeah, doubled, yeah. Your, you doubled your business. Was that part of the strategy or was it just, I want to spend more time with my friends and family and I want to have a better life. And then oh, cool, whoops. <laughs> Yep. Oh, it kind of was a whoops because, you know, at the time at 50, you know, doing 50 million, I was making really good money. We had, you know, had what we wanted and and all of that. Um, I wanted more for me. I wanted me to be number one, not my clients, you know, and it is having the courage to say no to your clients and say yes to you. Mm. And what we tend to do is that we build a business like a wheel on a tire, right? A wheel, like a mm-hmm. wheel. So we built the business and it's this strong thing, right? And then we put this fluff around it called a tire, the tube around it. And that's our lives. And our life is we're going down the road because we don't know where we're going. We're getting nails and all kinds of stuff. It's all wearing out. And all we're left with is our business. And that's what we do. And, th- and then there's no fulfillment in life, right? Instead, what if we build the wheel first and the wheel is your life, And that's the strong, solid steel thing. And then we build the business around it and it protects your life. And it it becomes a business of purpose and path and Mm. and intention to protect your life. So what ended up happening was I needed my life back. And I said, well, okay, they said niche, I'll niche. Um, They said, you know, don't be in demand or on demand, be in demand. And and I would hear all these different, you know, they didn't say that, I said it. But, you know, how can I just trim this up? And how can I put some boundaries around what truly is important to me in my core values? And so I had to have the courage to say, no, I can't meet you tonight because I already have an appointment. And people are really funny about this. They're like, they don't want to tell people uh, my appointments that I'm taking my kid to the dentist or whatever. And, and I don't, they don't need to know. I'm already booked. I'm booked with me. I'm booked with my family. And unfortunately, I can't, I can't meet you. But isn't it funny how we're like, uh, sorry, I can't come to a recital tonight, honey, because I have a client. Mm. We're so, here's my, my mom had this quote. We flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. Mm. Right? So we have to invert this and flip it. And when I did that and when I made my life a priority, I was able to live my legacy while I was building it instead of just building a legacy and not having a life. And so I turned around and went, holy Malaco. I'm actually doing more business by doing this because my business was intentional. I had to get in, do what I needed to do, and get out. Not do the Parkinson's law of, 
if it takes you, you know, if you don't have a timeline on how long it'll take you to get something done, it'll take you forever. Yeah. But we know when we have a deadline, we get it done. So I go in and I work my tail off and then I go play. Yeah. Good. I want to, good. Cause I want to dig into that a little bit because I want to get back to these five steps. I'm interested, but yeah. first, first. So you kind of got two very different phases in your career. You've got the, you've got the, um, you know, you've got the got the got the two the busy busy for busy sake and the work less make more period. What I'm, I'm interested to know about building wealth outside of business. Firstly, wealth I don't just mean making money, but like how during the busy period during that time where you were just chasing that that top yeah. that top point, did you have any focus on uh, building wealth outside of business, or were you just in in pursuit of the one goal? How did that change when you uh, shifted your priorities? What's been your perspective on building personal wealth? Because I, I think a lot of the problem that I see um, with business owners and entrepreneurs like yourself. Now, you and I are both entrepreneurs in the real estate space, doing different stuff. But this transcends not just in real estate. Or this is this is for people. Yeah, totally in anything. Like this could be this could be for for non business owners, but also one of the big issues I see with business owners is they get caught in the pursuit of growth of their business and forget about growth of themselves and what's happening on the outside of business. So Tom, do you want to yeah. talk to that for a little bit of moment, for a little bit, just yeah. about how that worked in those different phases? Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I always sell, sell, tell the story. It's like, you know, if the, the, um, I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that I can relate this, you know, to, to everybody there. It doesn't matter. You know, if you sell, if you sell um, purple purple shirts, right? If you're a purple, you sell purple shirts, but you don't own a purple shirt, that's a problem. You know, it's it's you should buy the purple shirt. Yes, it's the perfect time to buy the purple shirt. Get a purple shirt. Get it. Get it. Get it. But how come you don't own a purple shirt? So mm. in the space of whatever someone's doing, right? In, in in our particular space, if I was doing mortgages, I doggone better own homes. I should be able to be go through the process so that I can experience the process and be able to empathize with my client on a regular basis. So, yes. And again, my my uncles are multi multimillionaires owning lots and lots of apartment buildings and things like that. So right from the get go, I was taught to create other streams of business of, of income. And so I have multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, every loan I did was stepping over to get to that final goal. So every loan I closed at that point, because, you know, it was good money anyway, right? Every loan that I closed was just accumulation of capital to be able to buy the next house, to be able to buy the next house and the next house. And so we did step investing. We bought, you know, one to two houses a year. And that was sort of the way that we did, you know, did it back then. Um, So, yeah, I think it's super important that people are looking at, you know, other avenues. So I've always had that, uh, outlook that it's not just, what are you going to do with your money? If you make money and you make it all and you put it in the bank, what's it going to do for you? Nothing, absolutely nothing. So we want to have our money move all the time. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that was a, that was a key part of your strategy from the get-go? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good. Because yeah. I, I don't Actually, know. we bought our first house at 19. We were 19 years old when we bought our first house. We've been married 37 years now, awesome. but we bought our first house at 19 and we still have that home. Awesome. Awesome. So you've been a pretty uh, active real estate investor along the way. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. What's your what's your what's your real estate investing? I'm 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 delighted to hear that that wealth building outside of business was a core part of the whole oh, yeah. premise. So so many people that I know, business owners that I know, they've just got no. They just have this idea that if they grow the business bigger somehow, that all that's what that's that's that yes. it all just kind of work itself out. So I'm delighted to hear that that it's been a core part of your overarching strategy. What is what's your real estate investing strategy? What's the how do you go about that? Like what's the how yeah. do you what's your strategy? Well, it's an it, yeah, it's an interesting an interesting transition because this transition actually happened well after I had you know cracked the code and had been doing really well for years and years is that, you know, prior to that, when I was doing uh, wealth accumulation, you know, buying properties and and Mm -hmm. all that, it was all about me. You know, I want to buy a house. I want to have, you know, equity. I want to have cash flow. I want to have all those pieces. It was about me, me, me. And then later I realized, you know, because I went through that transition of me, 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 trying to get, you know, make a ton of money in my business. uh, when When you do make more money and you have more time to step back, you have more time to think about what your purpose is. That's why the podcast, you know, my podcast is success to significance mm. because yes, you have the success, but what are you going to get back, you know, to somebody, to anybody to make your imprint on the world. Right. And so we started shifting our, our um, investing. And so we were buy and hold for years and years and years. And I think I flipped one cause I had to, and I didn't ever want to do it again. Um, so we were buy and hold. And then we snowballed all of them to be paid off with the uh, cash flow because at the time I was making money. I mean, still do, but, you know, we were making money and we didn't need the cash flow. So we just paid all the properties off. Mm. Um, And I think we were somewhere around 58 properties at the time. And um, we sold some of them off. You know, they're just pain in the butt. And I don't want to be a landlord anymore. So we started changing things. And so there's two avenues that I'm now doing. So one is called subject two, where I take over the mortgage for somebody, um, actually assume their mortgage, um, they go on their merry way. And then I sell the property to someone who can't qualify for traditional financing. And it might be because of uh, being self-employed, an entrepreneur, or they you know, have a divorce situation or it's credit related. But because I come from a credit background, I can see that there's an exit strategy for them. I don't want to put anyone in bad situation. Um, So we end up reselling the house to them. So I'm just now collecting income that isn't rental income. So if something goes bad on the house, they can fix it. And if they don't pay, I can foreclose on them and repeat the process. Um, That's one part. And the other is that I buy property uh, with cash just outright buy them and then resell them. And again, give them to people that, that um, I can do an analysis to see that they're not going to be hurting the property and, and mm. that they're not buying something they can't afford. Um, and those are the two, you know, the two strategies that we had, but what happened was it came to that because I said, you know what, we, I came from a very poor family. And if someone would just give me a shot maybe things could change for me. And that's where when I stood back and I was starting to make more money and I had more time to think instead of just running rapid, uh, I was able to say there's a better way for me to deliver this product and for it to be a win-win for both of us. Mm, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. That's that's a very interesting uh, approach and I like it quite a lot. Thank so, you. okay, so going back to success to significance then, is that tied with the five steps? 
Uh, yeah, it kind of is. Right. Um, do you want to do, give, give us a bit of insight, like those kind of fires? Because <laughs> I, I'm, I know we're going all over the place here, but the fire, the yeah. fire, the five step. When you had that epiphany, and you're at the, um, yeah. you know, you're at the restaurant, and you're like, "Oh my god, life's got to change. I need, yeah. I want, I want better, not just more. I want better." Yeah. What are the yeah. very high level? What are the five steps that you took yeah. to transition that, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So those five steps are part of cracking the top producer code. So no matter what business you're doing, it's just the five principles, right, of, of cracking that code that lead you to lifestyle business mastery, where you're, you're mastering, your lifestyle is, is uh, mastering everything, not your business. And um, so, yeah, the steps are... Um, I just had a little brain fade. Oh my gosh, I talk about this all the time. I went right <laughs> the into steps, step two. Uh, I, I'm not sure. It's, I'm yeah, I know I went right into step two in my mind and, and then forgot step one. But um, yeah, so, so the first step is clarity, right? Clarity of your message. And this is what we've been talking about, your values and your principles yeah. and right, all of that clarity. The second is credibility. The third is community. The fourth is communication. And the fifth is continuity. And so um, I went and I took the best of the pieces that I, you know, what made me so successful up to that point. And then I amplified areas that I knew I needed to work on or that I didn't recognize. So I reached out to a lot of my colleagues as, you know, as a mastermind or as advisor group and said, you know, when you think about me, what do you think about? What are the things? Because I wanted to make sure that I what I knew who I was and what my personality was, but I didn't know how the world saw me. And I felt like if I could if I could figure out how the word, world saw me, I could attract more of that uh, rather than me thinking the world sees me some way. Um, and that's really where all of that was derived. And, and that's when I started saying, you know, if, if you can apply these five principles in anything you do, and I apply it to all of my businesses, um, if you can apply these five principles, then for me, that was the code to cracking any any ceiling for yourself. On yeah. your way to that, um, because it's all about client attraction, because that saves time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally right. Pull, pulling the clients towards you rather than pushing it's them towards pushing like, a rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pushing a rope. I like that. I like that. <laughs> how much? Um, how much? What's your as a as a non-female myself? How much has being a uh, female entrepreneur in a male-dominated industry shaped your views on what? Um, the business should be able to do for you? Like, how does it, how does that impact it? You know what? I don't even think it does. I was talking to someone else earlier today and I, and you said, you know, when it comes to, I mean, I'm a girl and I'm very feminine and all that good stuff, but when it comes to business, I think I'm new, I'm gender neutral. I, I don't mm -hmm. really go in that direction. And I, I don't know if that's perpetuated from, you know, the years ago when, you know, I had to be like a guy and not show emotion and, you know, really dive in and, and just put my big girl panties on and go do something. Um, so for me, I don't actually differentiate between that. I really don't. Um, to me, it's and maybe this is my engineering mind as well. Mm. Um, but for me, it's just all give me the facts, ma'am. I just want the facts. And uh, 
so I don't I don't really feel that that it plays a different role. I mean, you have to have be surrounded by a community. You have to be clear mm. about what you want. You have to have systems to scale, um, you know, and you have to dominate. You have to dominate as a market influencer. And that's that credibility piece of it. And that's the part where I said, you know, the MD versus a specialist. Yeah. And then last but not least, and, and it isn't least, clarity and continuity protect the tactical that are in between. That continuity is the consistency, and it's not sexy to be making phone calls and having to have vision and tracking things and and holding yourself accountable and putting boundaries around yourself. But if you can't do that, you'll never lose weight, you know, eating junk food all week and then being good on Friday. It just doesn't work. And in that, all the successful people that I've surrounded myself with, you know, with Tony Robbins and Darren Hardy, Les Brown, you know, these are guys that I are in my phone and I call and they pick it up, right? Yeah. These guys, um, every one of them will tell you the same story, that it's work. In fact, Les says this, if you'll do what's easy, your life is going to be hard. If you do what's hard, your life will be easy. You got to yeah. put the work in. So how do you how do you, how do you balance how do you balance that viewpoint of got to work hard if it's if it's if it's easy then you're probably not going to get there you know so it could, when you when you play it down that line it's like all right if you do the hard things life will be easy but then at the same time you're like but you want life to be easy so it seems a little bit counterintuitive to do the hard things how do you yeah, balance that good. viewpoint between like working hard yeah. and working smart. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this gets back to, you know, the four stages of growth in any business. You know, you have formulation, concentration, momentum and, and stability and everybody wants stability. Mm. You have to go through formulation. That's the work hard. You have to formulate it. You can't just chase shiny, shiny objects, find the next newest app or the newest. You know, oh, that's it. That's the magic bullet. It takes formulation. That's the working hard. That's the slow down to speed up, right? That's the stop talking about it. Take some action and you'll get some results. You can't just be thrust into that momentum and that stability. And it's been, you've seen it everywhere. It's with actors and, and, you know, people who win the lottery and all that stuff. When you get propelled to that stage, there's always a fall, we see it all the time. We see it with, with athletes who are, oh, and then all of a sudden they fell because they got propelled to it. They didn't do the work to get there. And some did. I get some do. But, but those are the ones that really make it long term. And they have this, um, this, this oh, my gosh, longevity. Longevity. Yeah, yeah. I'll just use that word. <laughs> they have longevity. Yeah. You know, they have longevity. So the formulation is the hard thing. Concentration is the continuity. And playing with it and having setbacks and trying things and it didn't work and shifting and moving, but not losing sight. It's like walking a straight line. Just because you take a bad step doesn't mean you stop walking that line. You just get back in line and go, okay, I learned from that one. Mm -hmm. And you keep plugging forward. But that concentration also requires tracking. Is it working? Or is this a waste of my time? And then all of a sudden the momentum comes and that then leads you to um, stability. So, that's what I. That's what. Um, that's what less means. That's what I mean by saying that um, you have to work hard. Here's here's another way to explain this. When you're going on vacation, it's amazing how you can be laser focused to get ready to hit your get your airplane. Mm. 
to get on the plane. In fact, sometimes what happens is you get so laser focused, you get so much business coming in, you're saying, maybe I shouldn't go on vacation because all of a sudden I'm getting business. And my husband and I have even said, hey, let's plan a vacation because then we'll get business. But it's not that. It's the intense laser focus that's inten- you know intentional for short jots. And that's what I'm saying is, so if I come into work, I'm going to come in and I'm going to emphatically know why I'm doing what I'm doing because it's aligning with my life and it's getting results. And then I'm going to leave and I'm going to go live the rest of my life the rest of the day. So what if you could go on vacation every day? What if you could just act like you're on vacation every day? So it's not hundreds of hours. It's very short hours to get the job done and then go out and live your life. Totally. It's a really interesting one because I'm I I'm very into like you know the, the metaphysical kind of uh, aspect. I like I like I like um, the idea of blending the very mechanical nature of things like business and real estate with the the spiritual um, yeah, esoteric yeah, yeah mechanical and going okay this is the two sides of the yin and the yang yeah. and when we bring those two elements together that's where the magic happens. Now I. Yeah. I I know now this is fascinating that anytime that I feel stuck, anytime that I feel like I'm banging my head against a wall, you know, that way when you start to feel like you're a, you're trying to push a golf ball down a garden hose, yeah. you know, whenever I get to that point, when at, at the moment, at the moment, when I say at the moment, I mean like within a couple of hours that I decide, no, um, it's no no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to take a holiday. I need to focus more on my relationship or whatever the case may be. Whenever that happens and I make that decision to the universe, which sounds like I'm going a little woo-woo, but when I make that decision to the universe, I'm like, no more. It's going to be like this now. Everything gets easier. Everything gets easier. I have clients picking yeah. up the phone like, hey, I'm, you know, let's, yeah, let's do stuff. I'm not trying so hard. Yeah. I'm laughing because I call that the circle of chaos, right? So you get, yeah. so imagine this, you know, four, four divided circle, right? And you get this idea and you go, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. And then you go at it, right? You're like, like a little gerbil, gerbil. And you're like, I'm going at it. 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 I'm still going at it. And I'm, I'm getting tired and I'm still going at it. And then you get into the, you know, so that's the first and the second, you get into the third one and, and it's overwhelming stress. Mm. And you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going on vacation. I, I'm, I have to, I have to get away. Right. Except it's a guilty vacation because when you go on vacation, you can't decompress the way you want until the, I used to laugh about it and say, look, I need five days to decompress and then I'll enjoy the two days that are left on my holiday. Right. But those two days, all of a sudden everything's clear. And you're going and you're sitting there and you're taking a picture of your toes in the beach, right? Like what everybody does. And you do, and you go, oh my gosh, I have another idea. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get back. I'm going to implement this idea. And this is the one. And you get into this chaotic circle, right? Yeah. The difference is if you're in that second part where you're going through the motions, the concentration and you're tracking, you can recognize overwhelm and take a real vacation. Instead of recognizing it as overwhelm, it's it's time to reset. And now I go to the new formulation to take me to the higher altitude. So how can people, how can, rather than people having these big, um, 
you know, I'm I'm taking a break. I'm going to take a vacation. How can people how can people start to do that on a micro level? Like, how yeah. can you how can you bring these two polarized pieces where like one is I'm on a holiday, I'm at the beach, and I'm switched off. But yeah. and or I'm at work and it's intense and it's hard because I think this is where there's a big gap because then they're like oh my god I've got to go back to work and it can be quite you know you yeah. said so how how do you if yeah. you could if you could perfectly yeah. do it thirty yeah. seconds thirty seconds of every minute yeah. you would be on holidays and thirty seconds you would be at work that would be the great balance and you would have this amazing you know ecosystem yeah. of productivity and success so how can yeah. people start to bring those two extremes together. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is, I'm going to go back to, you have to have your core values and you have to be tracking stuff. You have to know Mm. where you are, what's working and what isn't working because then you don't eat soup with a fork. So every decision I make goes back to my core values. It's so much easier to make a decision. You know, can I meet this client tonight, this evening? Yes or no. How does that affect my family? How did one of my other core values is stability and it's both financial and time stability. Does this interrupt my stability pattern? Yes, Mm. it does. Okay, can't meet client. Done, right? That's how you do it. The other thing, um, and so, and and it's the tracking too, you know, should I be meeting the client? Every time I meet a client at eight o'clock, this doesn't work, right? Or every time I'm on the phone with a client, it doesn't work. I need to be meeting with clients, not talking to them on the phone. And so it's track, 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 track everything um, so that you know what works and what doesn't work. And I'll give you a good example, and then I, and I will tell you the other part. But um, you know, when I would get phone calls for for leads, you know, people would say to me, "Hey, my realtor told me to call and get a, an interest rate quote." I learned that I would spend twenty minutes on the phone, and I would not. I would my conversion was only fifteen percent. Hmm. So what I decided was, when someone called me like that, because I tracked it, when someone called me like that, I'd say, "You know what? I have someone else who can handle that for you," because it wasn't worth my twenty minutes. That 20 minutes, I could be sitting with a client and I realized that was sitting with a client face-to-face, my conversion was 87%. Mm. But we don't ever take the time to do it. We don't slow down to speed up. We speed up to slow down all the time. So it is it is holding yourself accountable and putting some disciplinary actions you know, within there. The last thing I want to say about that is I don't believe in balance. That's the problem. If you're standing on two boats... Mm right? Who, which boat gets attention? Neither. Cause you're like, Oh, this one, but not the, and then this one. And then what's happening to you? You're exhausted, exhausted, make a decision, jump on the boat, enjoy the boat, spend the time, be 100% present and then say, thank you. I'm now going to the other boat. And I'm going to spend my time over there and I'm going to be 100% present and I'm going to get so much more done than trying to balance is 50-50. A scale balance is you're only half this and half that. You're not all in anywhere. What, 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 about, what about the idea, because um, you're saying draw, draw a line of distinction is what you're saying. When I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm not, I'm really not done. And that's it. Yep. Yeah. What about, what, about, what about taking it from a different perspective, though, where, you know, the, the idea that if you love what you do, you'll never work a minute in your life and, and all of that kind of stuff. Like, what about that perspective? Yeah, I mean, because that's kind of the antithesis of what you just said. When you're at work, bang, you're at work. When you're not, bang, you're, you're not. What about this idea that if you're living your passion and then, then yeah. it's not Well, in, 
in my opinion, my perspective on this is you will love your work more because you don't like your work because you're not in control of it. Your work's in control of you. You're not in control of your work. So when you love what you're doing and you have, um, and, and I hate using the word control because we can measure control all of the time. Nobody really has. The only thing you have control over is your breathing if you want to breathe, right? Yeah. Um, you really don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. So, um, you know, it's, uh, and, and, and again, when we're running around like chickens with our head cut off, we're always in a state of fight or flight. And that is an increased state that as you're listening to this or you're watching this, and even me, as I'm explaining some of these things, it's starting to have an impact on me, right? Um, it, and while that may be fine because you're young now or you love what you're doing now, I'm telling you, you're going to get to the point where it has an impact on you. And it'll get to the point where, gosh, I wish 15 years ago I had learned this so that I didn't have the heart attack and the stroke. Mm. Because this increased uh, state of fight or flight is not healthy for any of us, right? So, so my perspective is if I love what I'm doing and I want to do it, let me do the, the best aspect of it. I call it the tri trifecta of triumph. It's I, I do what I love to do. I do what I'm really good at. And I do what makes financial sense for me to be doing. It doesn't make financial sense for me to be doing, um, you know, more administrative things right now. So I find people that love to do that. I, I find people that love to do social media posting. They're like, oh, I'm all over it. Great. You do it. I'll just do some videos here and there. Right. So, so when you're in it, you're doing what you love to do and you do what you're very good at. And so it happens faster. That's why you can get in, enjoy what you do because you know that it's moving toward a final result with the anticipation of how much fun is it going to be to go dance for three hours tonight? Mm. Get me yeah. in, get me out, baby. Yeah, yeah, I love doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to come in and I'm going to do only the best part of what I love to do. Yeah. Yeah, that way you get more of a smorgasbord of life anyway because you get to go and choose. Oh, you get a little do. boost, right? You yeah, get a little yeah, yeah. booster shot of, ooh, that was good. It felt good today. I love what I do. Awesome. But I don't need to be married to it. I don't need to be there 80 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm mindful of time. I think we're going to run over an hour. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right, great, 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 because this is good. So <laughs> let's talk then, because I think I, I think it's a great analysis of the or a great viewpoint. What about how do you success versus significance? Your podcast is called Success to Significance. That implies that they are two distinctly different destinations or different locations, and you're transitioning from one to another. So let's talk about what is the difference between success and significance. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny. We played around with success to success from success with, you know, and I finally, you know, just said, I'm going to go with it <laughs> because I'm talking about everything from success to significance. Okay. Where it perpetuated is I was heading, you know, one of the goals that I had in my mortgage practice was to fund a billion dollars. And there's only, I think there's less than 30 people that have done it. I'm one of the few women. I, I, if, I if not the first, I was maybe the second person who ever did it. And, and that was a goal, fund a billion dollars. When I turned 47, I realized that I was in the business for a, a little less than 30 years, somewhere around there, 30 years. And I said, 
oh my gosh, if I'm going to retire at 65, 67, I'm going to be telling people that I'm in mortgage lending for 50 years. Uh Uh-uh, not going to happen. (laughs) Not going to happen. So at that point in time, I started changing the way that I was working my business, you know, saying, okay, I either hit a billion, um, I hit 55, I'm not going to work past 55. Um, you know, and, and that was sort of my, my trigger. So I ended up retiring at 55. Um, and, and I didn't want to go past 50 years. I retired at 50, no, 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 50. Yeah. 55, I think 54, maybe, um, I hit a billion in May of 2019. I'm sorry, 2018. Mm. I, and I ended up funding one, one billion five hundred and twenty-two thousand and some change. And that was my trigger. Um, I actually did that in April and May 22nd, I was gone. Did it, hit one of my goals. I'm out of here. I'm out of here, baby. And, uh, but up until that point, you know, I was building a bridge to what is this going to be? Am I going to leave and then go home and go now? What do I do? Right. So I was losing sleep over it, kind of trying to fit, you know, I was already speaking and podcasting and an author and all that, but I was like, what am I really going to do that I'm, that's going to make me happy. And, um, I went out networking one day and, and it was not too long after that. And I said, um, someone said, well, what do you do? And I go, oh, well, I'm a morgue. Um, I don't know what I do because I had this identity for myself. Mm. And I realized that the title that we have in the job is not who we are. But that was my identity. My whole, all, everything about me being a lender was my identity. So I said, well, you know, really I'm moving to, from success into significance for me. And how can I impact other people to realize their success sooner? But it wasn't enough just to call it that. I said, well, there's something else there. So I started going, well, what, what is life after this success, you know, and that's where it finally came to success to significance life after breaking through glass ceilings. But for me, those ceilings weren't financial. They weren't womanness. It wasn't any of that. It was all the many, many glass ceilings that we break through. Um, all of us were breaking through, you know, personal ceilings, weight gain, weight loss, suicide, not suicide, divorce, not divorce, financial. Yes, of course. But it's it's people that are sitting on the other side saying, I want to go to that other uh, that other side, but I don't know how to go. So I interview people that want to go and, and my audience is people that are listening and that want to go. People that are in the midst of it and the struggles and trials and tribulations. And people have come on the other side and said, you can do it. Come back. Come on over here. It's pretty cool to be over here to have your life be significant rather than you drawing on your success. What, you know, the so, pride. So, so <laughs> can someone... We've sort of touched on it a bit, but I want to just make sure we're being clear. This doesn't need to be something that happens after success. It's not like you become successful and then, okay, well, how do I go from success to significance? How can you become more significant now? Let's say say you're five years into your career or your business. Yeah. Well, (laughs) there's a lot of things. I mean, I could go, you know, I'm very faith-based. That's one of my core values, faith. Um, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's part of it too. But but again, you find that a lot of people are running around with their fancy cars and their fancy houses. And, you know, is that your definition of success or is that what society tells you is success? Mm-hmm. Because if you can stand back and say, you know what, I don't need the biggest, baddest, whatever, 
Yeah. I don't yeah. need that. If, if it's a want, it's different, but I don't need that. Um, and really be able to step back and say what truly, truly is important. And again, it goes back to the core values. Mm. Part of yeah. what I want to spend more time with is, you know, serving at my church, yeah. right? Being involved, being involved. I do a lot of hospice work because that fulfills me. Those are things that, that make me happy. But when you can't see that because you're running around trying to chase the almighty dollar, chasing someone else's definition of what success is for you, um, then there's no way you can give back. You'll never give back. You're just going to give to your family, you know, family, yourself and your bank account and then die. Mm. And you're not leaving an imprint on the world. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite funny when I, um, you know, even just a couple of years ago, we were doing all these, you know, you do all these goal setting exercises and you have all these kind of gurus and stuff like, imagine the nicest car you can think of. And they get you to do all these vision boards based on these material. I was never really super comfortable with it, but you get told this is what you're supposed to do. Vision boards of like Lamborghinis and yachts Ring. and ah, it's yeah. Like the rich, all the riches that you can have. Right. And then I was like, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, we sort of, I went through that process. I was like, rah, rah. and to be honest, when I was in that frame of mind, I was, I was like a, a rabid dog. I was like, I was like, all right, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. Look, this is where we're going. We're going to have a hundred houses. We're going to have nine cars. We're going to boom and off we go. And it was, to be honest, it was very productive, but it was also not that fulfilling. It was not that no. fulfilling. Well, even the way that you just said it. Yeah. Raised your fight or flight. Yeah, totally, totally. And it, it, <laughs> just raise it, your fight or flight ah, versus versus. You know what I want in life? I want to be able to watch a child have right. It's not. Let's go find a child that wants to have <laughs> shoes. Right. It's yeah, it's totally. just different. It's yeah, yeah. just different, and and it's my definition of success, and that's why it goes all the way to the core values. What is it that I want? What do you want in your life? You know what I think. What, what you know what I think people how do you want. Get more of it. How do you get more of it? You know, if you like, for me, I like standing. I have a wraparound porch. I'm on 21 acres. You know, in the country, and I love standing or st sometimes standing in the cold weather um, with my tea and just listening to the birds. So, how can I get more of it? Mm. You know what? If I, I, I want to go to dinner with my friends, we walk out of restaurants and say, "Oh, it was so great. We got to do it again," and we don't do it. How do you get more of it? Indeed, indeed. I think I think there's a missing uh, I think there's a missing target for for people because they don't know what to aim for. And I've been thinking about yeah. it deeply a lot recently. And I think we kind of touched on it earlier in this episode. But optimizing for calm. You know, at the end of the day, that's all yeah. people. That's all people want. Calm. The calmness. The calmness to know that everything's everything's okay. They it's, it. it's, uh, it's actually, I think there's a, there's a phrase in, in the Bible. I was just looking, cause I was just looking at it early on, but, but it is, it's be still and know. That's good. Be still. It's not me. It's the, <laughs> the Bible, <laughs> right? but it, it is, it is be still and know when we're not still, we don't know. Mm. It's better to know than wonder and we wonder by running ourselves ragged all the time. Mm. What's next? What's next? How can I make it? Oh my gosh, they have it. I should have it. They did it. I should do it. It's be still and know what's right for you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So if people wanted to reach out to you, what, what ways, what, 
Anna, you're in the States. A lot of stuff you've you've got is is centered around uh, the US. But if people wanted to reach out, if they wanted to tap into a little bit more of this, this has been a really fun conversation. It's been really <laughs> it's been really fun. We've gone off in a lot of directions and we've covered a lot of ground. I think it's going to be very um, helpful to people. But if people want more of 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 you, if they want to experience more of this, where should they go? Yeah, Jen JenDuplessis.com or JenDuplessis, however you want to pronounce it, but you can see it there. Uh, Jen- JenDuplessis.com. Just go there. You you know, get information. You can connect with me there. I'm really, you know, the thing about my practice is I've already built an empire, you know, in the mortgage space. I'm done with that. Now it's all about, um, you know, the boutiqueness, really digging into people's lives and really making an impact, um, you know, and uh, if you email me, I will respond. And people hear that. They always say that to me is I can't believe I'm talking to you. No, I can't believe you're not. I mean, that you are because, you know, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to serve and help make your life better. And so if you want a tip or whatever, just go to jenduplessis.com, send me a contact contact information. That's the best way. And of course, we're all over social media. We're all over the place. So you can just find me there too. Awesome. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas, visions, insights, perspectives um, with our audience. I think it's going to be amazingly impactful. So thanks so much. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, again, it's just been a pleasure. I can't wait for next week. And what a great birthday present I'm going to get. I I know. We're doing doing two. We're we're doing two. We're doing a podcast and a Facebook Live on your birthday. This is like I'm going to have to wear a party hat. (laughs) <laughs> so all kinds. Well, I'll have a tiara on for the whole day. <laughs> all right, I'll get my I'll get myself a tiara as well then, and and that way and that way I'll be in theme. Okay, sounds good, Jen. It's been an absolute pleasure, and really Thank appreciate you. everything. Cheers. Thank you so much.